This episode of ARC contains explicit language and themes of an adult nature. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously, if you're a parent and you have kids listening, they're going to be cussing up a fucking storm after hearing this episode. The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network. Do you know him? Oh, yeah. Well, Dr. Lynch is my abortion doctor. You've had an abortion? Well, I've had abortions. Abortion. Sarah, how many have you had? Hmm, three. Three? Well, the first time I was a kid. And then the second time was just not a good time for me. A lot going on. And then the third time I was just like, what? There are lots of things we call offensive, from topics of discussion to patterns of behavior to even simple words. There are those who get offended by works of art because they feel like their intelligence is being insulted when confronted with an act that's in poor taste. Take, for example, toilet humor or gratuitous profanities. In drama, many topics deemed taboo in polite discussion are utilized to boost the quality of the story. Think of how many times the Holocaust has been used as an automatically dramatic setting or character experience. Sometimes, characters and stories have done reprehensible things like murder, but the character is so engaging, the audience often roots for the character. Take Dexter or Hannibal Lecter, for example. But apparently, no matter how evil a character becomes, there is one crime that a character can't commit and still be redeemed by audience members. The crime of rape. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to give my commentary on the audience reaction to a recent episode of Game of Thrones. If you aren't caught up and don't want to be spoiled, come back another time. You've been warned. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies. To good movies. To every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! That's not even a word! Game over, man. Game over. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you watch more television than ever before. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Arts Review and Commentary. My name is Omar Latiri, and thank you very much again for listening. As always, this episode is brought to you by ARC's Amazon page. Visit artsreviewandcommentary.com and click on the Amazon button to shop for all your entertainment wants and needs. You deserve it. Shopping Amazon through artsreviewandcommentary.com is the best way to help this show and the Realm Network out. HBO's Game of Thrones, the television adaptation of George R.R. Martin's continuous epic A Song of Ice and Fire, started its fourth season on April 6, 2014. On the surface, the show seems to be nothing more than a simple swords and sorcery medieval adventure show with a lot of gratuitous sex and violence. But beneath that is an exploration of how violence and sex are used for political as well as personal goals. 
the characters are all despicable, with varying degrees of reprehensibility, and honor and ethical behavior are probably the last things you want to have if you want to survive in Westeros. It's a very fun show, but what has captured the attention of its fans is the way that the story unfolds. There's usually a sense of security when you're watching a show or reading a book that certain characters are expected to live. The hero and villain have to make it to the end for a final showdown of good versus evil, so they're expected to survive whatever obstacles that might confront them. Game of Thrones has taken those expectations and pushed them out of the window after they were caught fucking its sister. What the fuck is this? Okay, so basically, I'm assuming that you've seen the show and are all caught up. Don't worry about not having read any of the books because I haven't read any of them. I don't know what's going to happen past the most recent televised episode. I also don't plan on reading any of the books because of the emotional impact the show has delivered. Let me explain. The Lannisters send their regards. Like many viewers, I was caught off guard with the carnage at the Red Wedding. I had never been affected by a show so strongly. The deaths of Talisa, Rob, and Catelyn Stark were a complete surprise to me, and it shocked me how powerful the impact was for me. These were the good guys, the ones with honor and education, the ones who cared about their fellow men. The brutality of their assassinations made the impact that much more painful, in a way that Ned Stark's death at the end of the first season didn't. If I had known what was coming, I wouldn't have felt the shock and sadness that came from watching those characters die, and I vowed that I was never going to read the books to prevent any possible future spoiling. Spoilers. I like that word. I'm glad that readers of A Song of Ice and Fire have been pretty decent about not spoiling the upcoming events of Game of Thrones. The death of King Joffrey is another such event where the emotional impact was unexpected, but instead of the sadness and anger that I experienced with the deaths at the Red Wedding, I, and a lot of other viewers, felt a lot of glee at Joffrey's death at the Purple Wedding. Now, what does it mean to feel so strongly about fictional characters? Why such emotional involvement? Because I think they are real. It's all real. Think about it. Haven't Luke Skywalker and Santa Claus affected your lives more than most real people in this room? I mean, whether Jesus is real or not, he, he's had a bigger impact on the world than any of us have. And the same can be said for Bugs Bunny and, and Superman and Harry Potter. They've changed my life, changed the way I act on the earth. Doesn't that make them kind of real? They might be imaginary, but, but they're more important than most of us here. And they're all going to be around long after we're dead. So in a way, those things are more realer than any of us. The attachment we feel to these characters is a testament to the power of storytelling. Since most stories are usually morality plays, we often try to find ethical lessons that can be taken away from these tales. But sometimes people can get too wrapped up in their stories and start developing feelings that are just nuts. Uh, BJ Tingle, can I get Felicity's phone number? Yeah, it's uh, 
1-800-555, she's a fictional character. It's upsetting that some people need to be reminded that there's a difference between reality and fantasy. For most of us, the reality of daily life is actually quite boring. Most of us aren't in battle or in abject poverty or living in constant fear of death and persecution. The only time we get to experience what it might be like to live through these hardships is vicariously through stories. And because these events are fictional, storytellers can get away with using themes like torture, murder, even genocide as dramatic tools. When we come back, my reaction to Jamie Lannister's action in the episode Breaker of Chains and my reaction to the detractors of that portrayal. There's a shakedown of small businesses underway in this country that threatens this and all of your favorite podcasts. Podcasters are being sued by a company in Texas that's just an empty office. The company seems to only exist for the purpose of suing podcasters and profiting from the out-of-court settlements. The company, Personal Audio, and its owner, Jim Logan, claim to have invented podcasting even though they've never produced a single podcast. In 1996, they patented the idea of putting audio items into a list, a system all podcasters use today. But their idea, which never took off, involved reading magazine articles into a cassette tape long before most people had computers and certainly before we had smartphones. Personal Audio has sued Apple and some of the phone makers for using this system, and sadly, those companies set a precedent of settling out of court. But court settlements would bankrupt most of these very small podcast companies and drive them out of business. America's most successful podcaster, Adam Carolla, has decided to fight back. He's being sued for $3 million, and fighting that in court will cost just over $1.5 million. He's raised just under a half million so far, and that's after contributing $50,000 of his own money. Patent trolling, as it's called, has even caught the attention of President Obama, but so far nothing in Washington's been done to stop it. If you'd like to help, and I would urge you to do so, visit my website, buzzburbank.com, and click on the link to help Adam Carolla save his show, this show, and all of your favorite podcasts. Next! Qualifications. Rape, murder, awesome, and rape. You said rape twice. I like rape. <laughs> Charming. Sign right here. Let's recap for a bit here. I've mentioned that Game of Thrones features despicable characters. I've mentioned that the show features a lot of sex and violence. I've mentioned that many times stories are so powerful they can affect the way we perceive reality. Now, on to the main show. I told you that story to tell you this one. So, in the fourth season episode, Breaker of Chains, Joffrey's body is lying in state at the Sept, where his mother and uncle, or father, or uncle father, are consoling each other over the death of their son. Jamie, having been denied sex from the sister that he loves, is overcome with frustration and promptly rapes Cersei in front of Joffrey's corpse. Now, to some, that rape went over the line for the character of Jamie. To those who think that, here's what I have to say. Are you fucking kidding me? Seriously, this is what puts you over the edge? Let's take a step back here and analyze exactly who Jamie Lannister is. In the first episode, we see him as a handsome, cocky, yet charming man of the King's Guard. He seems like 
eye candy enough until we follow Bran climbing up a tower to see that Jamie is fucking Queen Cersei, who just happens to be his sister. And what does Jamie do? Without hesitation, he pushes a little kid out of the fucking window. Okay, so murdering kids is not beyond this guy. This is established in the very first episode. Later on, he's captured and held prisoner by the Starks. While there, he murders his own cousin. Because of the power and influence he has, Lady Catelyn breaks him out of prison to secure the release of her remaining children. Well, things go south for Jamie as he ends up losing his pimp hand, I mean his sword hand, but he ends up back at King's Landing to the hopefully loving arms of his dear sister. You come back after all this time with no apologies in one hand and expect everything to be the same. What do you want to apologize for? For leaving me. You think I wanted to be taken prisoner? Don't know what you wanted. You weren't here. You left me. Alone. Every day I was a prisoner. I plotted my escape. Every day. I murdered people so I could be here with you. It took too long. I... What are you saying? I'm saying you took too long. And he gets rejected. Now, are we supposed to feel sorry for this character? Are we supposed to treat the relationship between Jamie and Cersei as something that's normal? Are we supposed to be moved by Jamie's violence as legitimate expressions of romance? When Jamie says that he's murdered to be with Cersei, are we as audience members supposed to see a softer side and say, "Oh, he loves her? This character crippled Bran. Every time you see Brandon Stark on screen not able to move his legs, it's because of what Jamie did. So what if Jamie's been maimed or that he was nice to Brienne? Do those actions really soften this character? If you feel that way, then maybe that's the point. You've been seduced. You have been seduced by a good-looking, charming man. You have been seduced to the point where you can say, yeah, I can get behind this character and forget about whatever awful stuff he's done in the past. You're a hateful woman. Why have the gods made me love a hateful woman? Jamie, no, babe, please. No. Stop. Stop it. Stop. And then that happens. Tell me, how the fuck is that rape scene out of character from a guy that's done all that he's done? Where was it seen that Jamie was on a redemption arc? What, because he rescued Brienne from a bear pit? That's enough for you to get behind Jamie as a character? But in the books, it was different. No, you can't use that as an excuse to not like the way the story is being played out. When you're adapting something from page to screen, certain alterations are made to the point where the source material is simply a guide, not a mirror. The show is its own entity. Daenerys Targaryen and Marjorie Tyrell have been child brides in the books, but they're not in the show. We accept that the Stark children are no longer children in the show. We have to in order to allow the story to unfold. 
If the writers restrained themselves to the exactitudes of the books, then this story would be boring, predictable, and not a good TV show. But where's the sexual violence against men? Um, we've got male characters without dicks. There was even a scene where an unsullied soldier stood in place and had his nipple cut off. But that rape was gratuitous. Of course it was gratuitous. This entire show is based upon the gratuitous sex and violence. For fuck's sake, there was an entire sequence of episode where Ramsay Snow tortures Theon Greyjoy that culminates in Theon's dick getting sliced off. Well, yeah, but Ramsay Snow is a psychopath. Jamie isn't. Well, if you actually believe that, if you believe that a guy who fucks his sister, pushes a boy out of a window for catching him fucking his sister, murders his own kin to get out of captivity, then you feel outraged that he isn't above raping his sister, then you, my friend, have lost the ability to separate fantasy from reality. Game of Thrones may have themes and situations that have some basis in reality, but at the end of the day, these characters are made up. They don't exist. When a fictional character gets murdered, the murder stats in the real world don't change. The same is true with rape. Rape is an abhorrent crime, but so is murder. Now, if you base the morality of a society with how severely it portrays certain crimes in fiction, then you might think that no one gives a crap about human life. Hell, Murder, She Wrote was a show that lasted for 12 seasons, and that show aired on CBS at 8 p.m. Clue is a board game about solving a murder that kids can play. Now, I'm not saying that we should lighten up on how we think of rape. Far from it. I just think that we trivialize the severity of the real-life crime by equating it with the crime in fantasy. They are not the same thing. The violence and violations that occur within fiction are only troubling when you take into account those who cannot separate fantasy from reality. That's why we have rating systems and disclaimers warning that The following is intended only for mature audiences. Viewer discretion advised. Game of Thrones is a show that takes the expectations of storytelling and turns them around. It takes characters and makes them layered in ways that seem true to life. The richness of the characters makes them all fun to watch. And the lack of predictability is at the heart of the show. Shocking images and themes are part and parcel for this show, but it's fictional. If we treat every crime depicted in fiction as real, then there would be nothing in entertainment. It's time we think about why we treat rape as a crime worse than murder and why it's easier to forgive a fictional character for being a murderer than being a rapist. I welcome the dialogue. Just keep in mind that when you're talking about Game of Thrones, you're talking about a show that features this memorable line. Where are my dragons? That's it for this episode of ARC. Thank you for listening. 
Please visit ArtReviewAndCommentary.com for access to my reviews and essays, access to all the other great shows on the Realm Network, shopping with Amazon, and also please subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ArtReviews and follow the show on Twitter at ArtReviews. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is Art. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. Wiener, 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 Game of Thrones has taken those expectations and pushed them out of the window after they were caught f***ing its sister. Aww, Daddy, you said a bad word.